Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I am joined by my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We are also joined by our pop culture aficionado, Shane Christian Cunningham. And today, we are joined by a fourth person. Max, who are we joined by? Our friend Erica, who somehow skirted the whole intern contest (laughs) and became an intern herself. But we're still having the contest. Well, she's going to intern for the contest because I do have some materials here that I need help with. So she can intern the intern finalist (laughs) for that and help when we actually do the real game show that's going to be in two episodes from now, which will actually determine the winner. There's a lot of information off the top. Erica. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? Great. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having We've me. We've partied with Erica before. Yes. Have we? Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we have. And it was it was an interesting thing. And I I meant to apologize to you <laughs> because, <laughs> well, it was an unusual thing. Like, I'm one of those people, sometimes I can uh, dish it but not take it. <laughs> and, and I, uh, it was obviously my first time drinking in a long time. Right. And maybe you weren't Post aware baby. of it. No, maybe no. you weren't aware of that. But she thought it would be cool, probably. She thought it'd be okay if she mentioned my big nose. <laughs> because on the pod, I talk about that, right? So sure. it's like sometimes you think you know someone, so it's like you have that level of comfort. But I was like, oh, she doesn't know me. So then I went, like, real off in an embarrassing way. But, you know, I, I don't think you should go around doing that. No, but I right. shouldn't right. be, like, a crazy person either. So I apologize for being crazy. Who knew you had all this uh, water under the bridge? I know. Yeah. yeah, that's why I wanted to just say that. Yeah, to, okay. yeah I'm a crazy What was your person. recollection of that night? If there, if there was an insensitive joke made in an Uber. I'm sorry. Yeah, I that, thought it would be. It was a good joke. I just explained it. I, I'm drunk. And you know what? I'm drunk. I say outrageous things. So I was yeah. like, let's get some cocaine. <laughs> and then she goes, Shane, with your nose, it better be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? See, so it's a good line, obviously. That, that, is, that like, is a good joke. But you're right. I, I don't know. Maybe your nose is your one thing you hate. That's a good lesson in comedy. If you don't know someone too no, well, I don't joke about that. No, a lot of stuff, their... but that's just the one okay. thing I talk about, and then I guess you thought it was okay because you do listen to the pod, right? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, but if I met, like, Howard Stern, I wouldn't yeah. be like, who's Big Bird, you know, just yeah. because I would have, like, respect for someone I wasn't <laughs> necessarily the in that friend. category? For, for Not at all. I'm okay. just saying if I heard someone <laughs> sure. and knew something about him, I wouldn't say it just because I don't have that level of comfort. Sure. Them. But I shouldn't react that way. No, you're right. Anyway. I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry, too. Well, I accept your apology. Friends again? Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. Okay. Wow, we're off to a great start. <laughs> the Erica era is off to yeah. a wonderful start. But thank you for joining us. No problem. We're going to go back to you a couple times yeah. uh, throughout this opening, I believe. Max, yeah, is yeah. that the plan? That's the plan. Okay. okay, but before we get back to that, today on the show, guys, we have Classified, who has an EP out called Tomorrow Could Be. Check that out. <laughs> Maybe say that again, Mike. Did I not get that out? What was the Tomorrow Could Be. Am I getting radio DJ? <laughs> she Ain't Gotta Do Much is one of the singles, and Powerless is all also on that record. Andy's got a new digital dessert out. Well, now. I was going to say, I was saving it. I oh. just watched it today. Oh, it only took you more than 24 yeah. hours. Sorry about that, but it's my favorite one, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, I liked it more than the Jersey Shore one. So That's been the so, feedback I've been getting yeah. from people listening. Yeah, it's very good. So I recommend our listeners to check that out when it, when it drops, the yes. digital dessert. If you were listening to this right now and you haven't seen it, go check out that and all of Shane's digital desserts. Because last week on the dessert, Shane, I think you rolled the Jersey Shore one. I did. And uh, yeah, I think I ended up getting 50 more views on the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly but surely. Yeah, that adds I'm proud up of every time. one of those views. So we will be getting to Classified in a bit. But before then, fellas, lots has been going on. Uh, Shane and I are about to leave from Montreal for Just for Laughs, the big JFL festival. Got some cool interviews lined up. We'll have to tease that because we 
not only can't say the names, but nobody's totally confirmed <laughs> yet, uh, for being completely honest. But we're excited to go to Montreal, see a lot of cool shows. And uh, another big thing happened in our lives, guys. DeMar DeRozan got traded. Uh, I've been seeing on the socials, people have wanted to hear uh, our thoughts on this. Do you want to do a little bit on DeMar? Or you what? start, Mike. Yeah. I, I am sad to see DeMar DeRozan uh, leave the city. He was extremely loyal, and he was the hero we needed for the time we had. Uh, that being said, I am very excited about uh, Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is objectively a, a better basketball player, and I think it means that the Raptors are going to the finals. So, yes, it's a cold business, and it's not without a heavy heart that we say bye to DeMar, but you got to take a swing sometimes, and that's what Masai did. Yeah, I agree with all the management decisions that the Raptors uh, managed to pull off in getting Kawhi, but... It's been kind of interesting to see the way the media has talked about DeMar, and it is really unique, like the the, the kind of fondness that the media members have for DeMar. Yeah. Like Doug Smith uh, from the Toronto Star wrote this really touching piece about how DeMar would text him while he was in the hospital saying, hey, we need you back, man. How are things going? Like, And so at first when DeMar, in my mind, was acting uh, like an emo kid and being a little petulant on social media, uh, and, and a lot of people were thinking, come on, man, you're making $27 million a year this year. Cool it. Like, we'll, we'll stop complaining. But then you're like, oh, you know what? This guy really loved Toronto. And he, everyone's entitled to have a little lash out here and there, especially if you're a decent guy. You know, I think there is a little bit of room for for for, his, for that behavior because it came from, a, like, a good place, I think. Certainly. And if he was indeed sort of lied to, I'm doing air quotes, by Masai, like, if Masai said, hey, you're not being moved, and then they moved him 24 hours later, he has a right to be upset. I think anybody would, like, if you think about it, like, any line of work, you know? I don't, I don't begrudge those guys for feeling that way. And I, like you, was shocked at how much it affected people. Like, my dad was crushed. Really? Yeah. Like, my dad's never texted me so much about DeMar. He was like, that was my guy. I'm like, Dad, I didn't even know you liked basketball that much. He was like, I've been walking around all day listening to Skeeter Davis. Do you guys know who Skeeter Davis is? She's like a singer from the 60s that literally only sings breakup songs. (laughs) So she has a famous song called, like, The End of the World. And it's like, how come no one knows it's the end of the world? Why does the, you know, the waves keep on crashing and the birds keep on singing? My world has come to an end because you don't love me anymore. I'm like, this is what my dad's sitting in his man cave listening to, thinking about DeMar DeRozan. I didn't even know he was a basketball fan. He loved DeMar. Well, okay, so you know how everyone's saying uh, this is like a a rental for a year and then Kawhi's gone. Yeah. If that happens, does that even matter? Because don't we get a lot of money to buy another really good player? Yep. So it's not that big of a deal. So for those of you that aren't super basketball uh, informed, one of the reasons people were upset is because Kawhi Leonard played in San Antonio. He wanted to trade to Los Angeles because uh, he's from California. He did not want to come to Toronto. His camp made that clear, and he's only got one year left on his contract. He hates the cold, too. That's the rumor, but he spent all winter in New York. Trust me, I deep dove this. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, he came here, but people were like, we gave up DeMar, who's like this loyal guy that you know who's been there for us for the last nine years, for a guy that doesn't even want to come here, and he's only going to come for one year. The thing is, Kawhi's so good that this one year with him will be like a championship or bust year, or at least finals or bust. We'll make it to the finals. And that's almost, for some people, I guess, worth the risk of just having another couple like second round exits with DeMar for the next three years. So mm-hmm. that's the trade off. I'm comfortable with that trade off. I think a lot of hoops heads are, but emotions get involved. Yeah, but also, Shane, to your question, us just being able to buy another top three guy, he's a top three or top You're five right. player in the league. Like that just doesn't happen. So it's like, those guys are another DeMar level. I mean, like even that's kind of tough. It'd be hard to get. So yeah. 
But we got a bunch of young dudes that but are. But if all we made grow. it to the finals, and yeah. then it's like, oh, Toronto's a good team. Yeah, no, a bunch of stuff play. could happen. Doors yeah. might open that we could never have expected if it goes well. But would you agree that anything's better than another same old season? Like a change, even if it's for the worst, yeah. is just better. Yeah, I think a lot of people were like, mm-hmm. maybe we should bottom out because this team is never going to get past yeah, just any boring. decent team. Like just yeah. as a casual fan, like I'm not obsessed with like Mike. Do you think that there? I guess this gets to a bigger question, and, and honestly, not even just pro sports, but business in general. How valuable and is loyalty real? Like, are you loyal to the company you work for, Shane? You know, we both work, we're recording this at Bell Media. Do we see it as an employer or do we see it as like a family? Because this kind of gets murky when well, it comes I'm to loyal to sports. people more than I am a corporation. Like our boss, Randall, I would be very loyal to forever. And I think he's the most loyal guy ever. But it's Bell is different than Randall. You know, it's hard to be loyal to a corporation. Sure. Because you feel like a corporation would never really be loyal to you because they don't even know who you are. Right. Which which then makes you think, is like, did maybe did DeMar feel that he had that relationship with Masai that you have with Randall, for example? And that's why mm-hmm. it hurt so much. Because it was like, I thought you were my guy. You told me that I was your guy. But it's like when you're DeMar, it's like you are like a business. Like you yeah. as your person. So you you almost have to expect it. It's almost foolish to trust in. Well, this is why you know. people were saying, get over it, DeMar. Because mm-hmm. you, you're, you're foolish for thinking that this couldn't happen to you. Should there be loyalty in business, Max? Uh, I kind of agree with what Shane said. But of course there should. Like, there should always be loyalty. The thing is, you it's hard to trust a corporation because the business is to make money. And is the idea of it being a family artifice? Or is it true? Or is it like, eh, the minute the going gets tough, you know, we're going to do what's best for us? I, I feel like the way I've heard Steve Kerr talk about this. Uh, Steve Kerr is the coach of the Golden State Warriors, where it's like, he has personal respect for everybody uh, who he deals with and I think has, like, personal fondness for probably all of his players on some level. But also, there's a reality. Like, when they have to trade Harrison Barnes – sorry, by the, by the way, listeners, if you do not give one fuck about basketball, we're trying to keep this as general as we can. Sorry. Uh, when he had to trade one of his better players in so order to Harrison make, Barnes. Wasn't Harrison it? Barnes. Yeah. Barnes. <laughs> Shane, you're such a hoops Barnes. head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to make room for Kevin Durant. He he talked he talked genuinely about how much he liked Harrison Barnes, but also the realization that it is also a business and it's a competitive one, and you got to do what you got to do. So it's like those two things they don't cancel each other out necessarily. I think you can respect both both of those things, and you can temporarily screw a guy over and then be loyal to him on the back end. You know what I mean? Sure. When his career's over, be like. I'm yeah. going to get you back in a good way or something. <laughs> <laughs> like coaching position or something. Yeah, I don't sure. know. A job oh, in sure. the I mean, that, That's why you totally. always want to be a decent person because you never know. Harrison Barnes might be out of the league in eight years and need mm-hmm. an assistant coaching position. But if he and Steve Kerr hit it off those years in Golden State, he might have a job on the bench. I don't know. Well, and here's sort of the tough thing about someone being objectively better than somebody. So, like, for instance, if, like, Howard Stern, I invited you both to go do his podcast, mm-hmm. but you had to leave mine. I would never leave. Oh, thank yeah. you, Maxie. And by mine, I mean ours, of yeah. course. We oh, could geez. do both still, though, right? <laughs> no, one, one or the other. Oh, you're you're going to leave me for Stern. You would under, you would understand, though. Of course, but is DeMar supposed to understand that Kawhi is objectively better, or is he going to be like, ah, oh, fuck? Well, I, I think he would understand that, yeah. Well, he didn't. I don't think you get to that point by thinking Well, you can understand good. something intellectually, but still emotionally be ruined by it. That is true. Sure. I did like, though, in... Uh... <laughs> So it was big news in the Champagne Boys message group, not oh, to cause problems. Is this trying to make me mad now? Talk about loyalty. Is that what you're <laughs> oh, talking geez. about? Oh, jeez. Here we go. Okay. What's we'll get up to, with that? We'll, we'll get to this in a second. All right. Uh, but the, in the Champagne Boys group, we were talking about this big trade. And uh, Nick was like, I have a basket tomorrow question. And then he asked some question. And you had a funny quip. Nick was asking about, uh, he's like, can I ask a generic basketball question? And I said, shoot. 
And then uh, he asked this kind of complicated question that was over my head, and I thought he was going to ask what the traveling rule was about. Basketball rules. Speaking of yeah. the Champagne Boys falling apart, I, I heard there was a big pool party this weekend and some stuff went down. I don't know if we should be talking about it. Oh, no, I don't know about that. Yeah. I wasn't there for it. Well, just uh, between us, I'm not sure if this is going to air, but our friend we call Psycho was... Uh, My current roommate. Well, your current roommate. And Erica's friend, Maddie's almost roommate. All right. Well, this is good for a laugh, regardless of where this ends up. But. Welcome back, Eric. Erica, your friend lives with, with this young man. Oh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be moving in. Yeah. There was a pool party on the weekend, and Psycho, being one of the singular friends we have... <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, making out with a young lady uh, he does from his uh, softball team. I That's actually right. heard about this. I received photos. Really? Whoa! But Whoa. one thing that wasn't soft was his <laughs> erection. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a little uh, inebriated. So he gets out of the pool and forgets he has an erection. <laughs> and when you have a T-shirt, it's easy to hide an erection because you kind of can tuck it in and put sure. the shirt over. Yeah, yeah. But no shirt, it's just out. It's just there. So everyone was commenting on his boner. And then Sean Dawson, who's one of our wittier friends, made a witty remark about it. And Psycho, living up to his name, punched him in the face. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. Were you then, there for it? And Sean wasn't hurt by it, but he said he would have been more hurt if he hit him with his boner. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, this is funny. So, um, so Psycho just moved into the house where I live in Hamilton because your brother Greg and my other roommate Al both moved out with their respective ladies. And so there's an extra room in the house. So uh, Erica actually connected uh, me with her friend Maddie, who I also know. Maddie's moving to Mc- Hamilton to go to McMaster in September. So she came by the house, and she I told the story on the pod. You did. And she got to meet Psycho. We saw Maddie a couple weeks later. Yeah. And she said, oh, by the way, I don't care because she's super nice, but my mom is wondering why my roommate's called Psycho. Well, if they listen to this pod, they have nothing to worry about now. (laughs) Now we've painted a picture of a guy that's going to roam around the house with a raging hard on, swinging fists. (laughs) Your roommate's cool. Don't worry about it, Maddie. Good times. So, Erica, what do you think? uh, How will Maddie respond to this story? Um, She'll probably be shocked. She met Psycho a couple times. They met at the rally, actually. That's right. She saw his tattoo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was impressed. Yeah, yeah, no, she, 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 she roll with the punches. She's open-minded girl. <laughs> she can roll with the punches. Yeah, she's gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, would she be interested in a guy like Psycho? She loves engineers. Ooh, oh. is that what Psycho does? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a, a, oh, have you never cool. even taken the time to ask what our friend does? I didn't know what he does. No, I don't know what a lot of people do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the point of contention though that Shane and I have, oh right back to the champagne uh, boys oh, yeah. falling apart is, is that gonna, yeah. we I posted a photo on the Mike on Much <laughs> Instagram page of a, a screenshot of a text message group with Julian sending around like a Friday night. Hey, what are we doing? There's a bunch of funny quips in there. Like, are we getting stank, Daddy? And I'm ready to get stanky tonight, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> now, when I was about to post it, I paused for a second. I thought. I wonder if people in the Champagne Boys message group are going to be mad that they're not in this kind of private side group because there's only Your five or six group. names in the text group. And then I thought to myself, oh, yeah, Shane will probably be pretty upset about it. And then the first thing that happened when I saw you, like, what is this private text group that's going on? <laughs> You're but, like Masai starting a press conference apologizing to DeMar. I'm not actually apologizing for this, to be honest. Because listen, there's okay, lots of okay, private, here's the there's thing. lots of private message groups. And I'm not in any of them. Do you know how I know that? I know that because I'm not in any private message groups. So, so yeah. you don't have a group with Mike and Greg? I'd love to be cool and say yes, but I don't. 
<laughs> All I have is yeah. the Champagne Boys group, and anytime I ask a general question in there, no one answers me. <laughs> they just ignore me. It's like the most useless group. Now I realize why everyone's just interacting in these side groups. There's a basketball side group. There's a cool party guy side group. What else is there? What's the Friday night side group? What's that about? Why have it? <laughs> no, but why? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay, and I could understand if you got a secret group, keep it a secret. Don't don't put it on the guy's podcast. Like I'm one of the three guys in our secret little chat group called the Pod, and then you throw it on our Instagram and tell everybody I'm not involved. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody well, you were I involved. I knew, and it hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but what is what are those? How many guys are in this group? Okay, probably the context, Mike. You're not in the you're group. In, you're you're not, not in the group. I'm not in the group. Oh, I feel better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, the context is probably there guys are guys who go out on Friday. Well, okay, let's think about it. That group, for all I know, I got to look through the the mm-hmm. history of it. Was probably when you weren't drinking, and it was probably for like Hamilton guys that were around for lunch on a Friday. That's probably what it was, to be honest. Okay, okay, I thought Mike was in the group. I the, feel better. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I feel better. Okay, yeah, because that oftentimes, and there's also like another one probably with the like mm. Felix and Peak who like want to do lunch and stuff in okay. Hamilton. Okay, I feel better. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Don't but worry. just let me know before you throw that up because I'm going to jump to crazy assumptions. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought it was the cool party guy group. No. Okay. No. Lunch crew. The nut wasn't in the group. Yeah, Dan wasn't in the group. Dan Hamilton. There you good. go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was like it's like a Hamilton group. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Guys, anything else going on? Like, maybe, like, <laughs> the oh Champagne Boys are falling apart. But I feel like we had some resolution we got there. Some good no, stuff I do feel better. Thank you. So should we uh, save this intern stuff for the dessert, or do you have a separate dessert? No, no, I want it. The dessert is, uh, I'll explain it during the dessert. Yeah. Before we get to the interview, should we sort of, like, you're saying for Erica, who's, who hasn't spoken much. Erica, you can mm-hmm. get back on the mic. Yeah. How's it going over there? You, you okay? Great. How's your uh, first day hanging out at the pod so far? It's good. Is it what you thought? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Well, was it different? Because sometimes I wonder when I listen to my favorite podcast, like what it's like in the room or what they look like or anything. Is this your favorite podcast? Um, but I'm saying like no. a podcast you oh, listen okay. to. Yeah. You know, she can answer for herself. Sorry. Right. <laughs> They're just having their own fucking one up, conversation. One up. Yeah. I like uh, uh is sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's great. It's good. All right. Like All right. top three? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Top three for sure. That's sweet. Sure. Okay. What's your favorite? Cereal? Um, <laughs> that was a good one. No, I don't listen to me. I like Canada Land. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little political journalism there. Very nice. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Oh, did you want to, do we preamble the dessert? Okay. I'll just say it. You can cut it. We are uh, going to have intern finalists. I did receive more submissions than I thought. So the dessert we're going to talk ab- about and review intern finalists. So I might be cut. Well, we'll talk about <laughs> that in the dessert. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Big tease for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So today on the show, we were talking to Classified. Uh, we were about to get to him. Really awesome dude. I'd never met him or talked to him before. And he's a really down to earth, uh, sort of smart, practical, uh, thoughtful guy. Yeah. Shouts to, to his manager, Jason. I've known him for a long time. And class too. Uh, I met him, I think, in 2009 at the St. John's Newfoundland Junos. You were just in that area doing shows. Yeah, yeah. I was in PEI yesterday. You didn't have any PEI stories because you told me we were trying oh. to talk in the elevator and you're like, ah, oh, I got some PEI No, stuff. I don't really have anything. It was okay. a weed gig. Uh, there's nothing else. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of weed, I smoked some last night. You did? I was at the Arcade Fire Show. Ah. And I'd been in uh, a whole weekend of birth prep classes. Mm-hmm. So like this pool party where the boner assault took place, 
I wasn't able to be at because um, I was. We had to do these birth prep classes, uh-huh. and essentially, I got to pick two dates. So it was either do them all on one weekend in July when all the pool parties are happening, yeah. or do it in September, which is the Sunday after Sean Dawson's wedding. Uh. It's like there's no fucking way I'm going to get up after Sean Dawson's wedding and go like sit in a class from eleven till six at night. So anyway, because I did this all weekend, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll do something Sunday night. So I started kind of kicking the tires and hams. Dan Hamilton, our friend, was like, oh, I'm going to the Arcade Fire show. Our friend Julian was there and our friend Jay, other champagne boys. And we were, he's like, come, just come. And I was like, I'm already at home. He's like, get an Uber. I'll buy you your first giant Budweiser. I'm like, sold, fine. (laughs) So I go, uh, he didn't even have to do that. I was just, (laughs) I learned the art of negotiation from Masai. So I just, if I just don't don't answer a text within five minutes, I feel like Dan will up the offer. If I waited another five, I probably could have got all my drinks paid for that night. (laughs) So I get an Uber and I go. And I'm like, Danica, do you want to see uh, Arcade Fire? Like, knowing that she's exhausted. She's like, ah, uh, no. But, like, the door's already shut as I'm out the door. <laughs> yeah. Car squealing. And, and so I go. And then, like, we're drinking. And, uh, you know, Julian and Jay and their wives are hanging out. And I'm standing there. And I'm listening to Arcade Fire. And I'm drinking a beer. And this marijuana cigarette starts getting passed around. Mm. And I'm not a weed guy. I don't do drugs. But, you know, I'll drink, obviously. The joint's being passed from friends or just random? No, friends. Okay. In the friend group. And there was, like, that split second where I was kind of looking at the joint, and then I, like, looked at the stage at Arcade Fire, and then I looked back at the joint, and I was like, eh, fuck it, I'm going to be a dad soon, and I won't be able to do this. Sure. So I was like, let's hit it. And then so I did that, and then I was just really high at the Arcade Fire show. And did it make it better? Yeah, actually, I did. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was fine. I don't even know why I told that story. Back to classified, guys. Yeah, well, he's got songs about weed, so perfect segue. Yeah. Right? There you go. It's legal now, right? Uh, yeah, there's a gray area. but It's decriminalized. Yeah. Erica, do you have any info on that? Yeah, I think it will be legal in October. That's Wonderful. Right. Do you, you smoke weed? No. Mm. That's good. Do you, Shane? No. I know you don't, Max. You're clean cut. Hey, but wait. I have you, a funny story. You about were this talking pot. about weed gummies the other day. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about this on the pod. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> this pod doesn't uh, necessarily advocate weed smoking or anything like that. You know what I mean? You, you do you. We're, now we're entering weird territory where it seems like we're advocating uh, uh, illicit behavior. But you did ask the other day in the Champagne Boys group <laughs> if anyone knew how to score weed gummies. <laughs> Drop it, Shane. Okay. <laughs> Just want to be clear. Okay. Post, post that screenshot. Yes. Yeah. That's how you get oh, back yeah, for being go viral. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you do is news, though. Did yeah. you say something? E.T. Uh, Canada? Yeah, I up? talked about wanting to be on The Bachelor. Not yeah. as a contestant, but I wanted the band hey. to play on The Bachelor. Vanity Suite tonight. I know. I know. I'm so excited about it. Who do you think is yeah. going to win, Jane? I thought the Miles Teller good-looking guy, but now I'm thinking Buffalo Wings. Oh, he was cool at hometown. I know. I love The surprise him. gay brother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, yeah, so lovable. Who do you think? The good-looking teller? Um, I liked Blake. Yeah, right well, off the bat, everybody baby, loved though. Blake. I think I think the Nevada guy is going to win. Which Wait, one? Is he the guy who's overly Garrett. weirdly? Garrett's weirdly no, nice. No, she, she she already said she loved Blake. She was like, he said he loved me, and the feelings are obviously reciprocated. And Garrett liked homophobic uh, Instagrams. Yeah. Oh, did he? That's yeah, so he good. did. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's obviously Blake's the yeah. guy you would think a hundred percent is going to win. But if. Jason doesn't win 100%. He's going to be the next Bachelor, which is awesome. I'm all oh, about you that. Think? Do you, you think Jason's attractive? Uh, I think his personality, personality makes him cute. That makes it better. Okay. Guess, get yeah. this. I uh, Instagram storied about loving Jason, and I added at him. It said, anytime we're in Buffalo, you're on the guest list. And then he DM'd back saying, like, hell yeah, brother. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I'm pretty stoked. I might meet Jason one day. Here's my prediction. Yeah. Okay. If... Jason wins, Blake will 100% be The Bachelor. Yeah. If Blake wins, then 100% it will be Colton. 
He's a virgin. He's the hottest guy. I, think, I didn't think they'd make a, a virgin a bachelor. Oh, Has yeah, there ever been that's one? That's an awesome storyline. A guy like that being a virgin, a football player. He's going to be on Bachelor in Paradise, though, isn't he? I'm pretty sure. Probably, yeah. yeah. But Nick was on Bachelor in Paradise, oh, and they yeah. transferred him to sure, sure, Bachelor. Sure. Anyway, there's been a lot of digressions on this. Yeah, one. So, Sorry. This has been the most scatterbrained <laughs> open ever. It's been all over the place, but that's fine. We're, yeah. try, we're treading into new territory yeah, here, that's guys. Right. And I'm sure all of the fans of Classified who also love The Bachelor, <laughs> that Venn diagram is perfect right now for all of you listeners. Guys, if you have never listened to the podcast before and you're just here for Classified and sat through The Bachelor, I apologize. We're sorry, yeah. But... Please come back, uh, listen to more. We have over 100 episodes with all sorts of wonderful uh, interviews and stories. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found on Google Play, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on YouTube. If you listen at your desk, let it rip. Uh, you can follow us at Micah Much on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, do you want to get to classified? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So how, how you been? I'm good. Sweet. Uh, well, one of the things I kind of wanted to start with was, I guess, like just interviewing a bunch of people. One of the fun things for me is it's like you end up kind of doing this deep dive on music to sort of research and prep. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how much I love the song Work Away. You Thank know, like you when Thank I was you, going man. through your shit, I was like, and then it came up. I was like, oh, man, I'm like, I love this song. And the video was great. Thank you. And man. all that stuff, man. And obviously, I've been listening uh, to, to the new stuff. So that fully comes out on Friday, right? Yep. Yeah. For our listeners, this will be out after that comes out. Okay. So we'll just say it came out last Friday or some shit. You got it. You're going to have to be really on the mic. All right. Oh, now you're, now you're on it, man. How's that? That's perfect. All right. Thank you. So I kind of want to go back to the start a bit. And I know this is like probably... I guess I'm what of a cliche question, but like, I guess the idea of being sort of like a white rapper from the Maritimes yeah. doesn't fit the typical sort of rapper story. But I guess I want to know, like, what was your childhood like? You know, what did your parents do? Um, typical small town. Uh, my dad worked at the airport, loading bags, stuff like that. Yeah. Mom was the secretary at Blue Cross. She actually retires this month. Um, That's pretty sweet. Yeah. You know, played grind hockey, skateboarded. Typical small town stuff, I guess. Yeah, just really small town. When did you start to realize you had like an inclination toward music? Uh, well, my dad was always in a band. You know, besides working at the airport, he also was in like a cover band from like the seventies. So they'd play the bar scene oh, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So we always had equipment around. He he was also the guy that carried the equipment. So we'd always have speakers, mics in the basement. And, like, me and my brothers used to just mess around in the, you know, just kind of fooling around. I remember we used to do over, like, Weird Al songs. <laughs> remember we did Summer of 69? Do you remember that? And La Bumba? So it was just kind of messing around with that and then started getting hip-hop with a couple friends. And it kind of just started from, like, let's write our little rhymes and record it to, on a double cassette tape. Oh, and, yeah. You know, just kind of like that, messing around to doing, like, the high school dances, the variety shows. We'd start performing at that. And then, and then I moved into Halifax after school, and that's where it got kind of a little bit more serious. I started learning about the scene, the hip-hop scene there, and, and really just meeting people, DJs, and all that stuff. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of young people sort of fuck around a bit with music, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then there sort of comes a point where you go, I'm going to be serious about this, and I'm going to sort of work hard. Did you have a, a moment where you were like, I'm, I'm really going to have to work hard and focus and sort of view this a different way? Or was it always kind of fun, 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 fun? It was just- kind of fun, like, just gradual. Like you said, it was always like, ah, oh, let's do this. Oh, okay, let's do this. Oh, we met this guy. Let's go work on this. I think the first time I really knew that it was like, okay, this has got to either work or it doesn't, was like, I went to Compi College, which was like, 
a year-long course for like computer support or something. Yeah, yeah. Never learned anything. I learned how to type. <laughs> I can type really good now. Why did you do that though? Was it did you feel a pressure well, from your parents or were you trying to be no, savvy? No, like, like I need just, a backup. I'm a, I'm a very realistic person. I'm a white rapper from Nova Scotia. <laughs> At grade twelve, I wasn't like, yo, I'm gonna be huge and yeah. I'm gonna make a living off this. I knew I liked doing it. I, I enjoy performing. But I was, you know, I'm a realist. I'm like, okay, well, I got to, you know, do something. So I figured more like studio stuff like that. So I reached out to Compu College and actually said, like, I'm trying to get into the studio world, blah, blah, blah. Perfect. We got a course for you. It teaches you about computers. How to get, and it had nothing to do with what I needed. <laughs> but fortunately, I actually got a pretty good job out of it. Like, you know, I was 21 making like 40 grand a year at this job, hey. which was, you know, for me and my friends, it was like, oh, wow, I'm doing this. You're legit. Yeah, you straight up. It was like I got my go health insurance, all that stuff. <laughs> And then um, it was getting dead around there, and they started laying people off, and they were actually laying me off. And they were like, okay, you're getting laid off. I was like, okay. And I was really heavy in the music, and I knew, okay, I can get unemployment for a year. So I'll have that year to kind of give it a go. Bills are covered. Let me give it a go. Huh. And my last day of work, they offered me another job. And they were like, yo, we found another job for you. And I was so set in my mind, like, ah. And I remember my parents being like, you're crazy. You're going to leave this job to, you know? And I was like, man, I got my employment. And that's where it was. Like, left that job, did the unemployment, never went back to work. Kind of just the head that year to get my thing going. And, you know, started making my 100 bucks here, 200 bucks here, selling beats, doing shows, getting a little bit of royalties, and just kind of kept growing from that. Starts adding up. Yeah. That- so that was like 2000 and. Two, I think it was 2003. But that does take, I mean, for a lot of people, I guess that's the difference between sort of following your dream or not is like you have the sure thing where you can stay with the company, totally keep those bennies. And then all of a sudden, you know, you decide to, to, to cut the cord, take the chance and yeah. see what happens. And obviously I'm so happy I did. Like I never liked that job. It wasn't something I enjoyed doing it. Most people don't like no, their jobs. No, exactly. And, you, know. you know what I mean? And most of the time when I was there, I'd be sitting there at my computer writing rhymes. I'd get my call be like, yeah, reboot, call me back if it doesn't work. <laughs> work on my song so it actually gave me a great uh, you know a great spot to sit there and work on my music but once I left there that's when it kind of got serious and was like okay now I gotta pay bills now I gotta support myself so you mentioned that year was there anything sort of um like remarkably tangible in that year where you go oh yeah this is a viable career or was it once you got to that year you're like I'm not stopping now yeah, no, it wasn't like one thing happened that year. Like I remember literally having my notepad open being like June 16th, Jay Brew, one beat, 100 bucks. Uh, so <laughs> you and kept so, the ledger? Oh, yeah, like I wrote down so I knew where my money was coming at. Like I'm, try, I, I'm a pretty good organized person with money. Like I, yeah. I'm cheap. I don't spend a lot of money. I kind of <laughs> I'm, I'm very smart with my money. So it kind of started from that of just doing that. And then, you know, the unemployment ran out. But, okay, I was making – 1500 bucks a month on random stuff through music and it kind of just kept growing from that yeah so i guess like one thing i wanted to get to with this this new sort of ep with tomorrow could be like a mm-hmm. new record is like a lot of the narrative has sort of been focused on i guess the subjects you're writing about like women child abuse aboriginal issues have you always been someone who's like deeply engaged uh, or is it sort of a sign of the times like is it something that's sort um of been- i don't know if i'm deeply engaged like i always say like i'm not a big political person i don't watch the news a lot i don't really pay attention to a lot of that stuff but at the same time like i'm very common sense you know what i mean like you read something you're like this isn't right like yeah. how is no one really talking about this and you know with the child abuse powerless like that's kind of where that yeah, song started from was you know me reading about a court case going what the hell this guy raped a young girl he was out in 15 months and going on with his life and you know just mention stuff like that on facebook and the message i got from people really hit me like wow this happens a lot way more than what i thought it was and just almost just woke up and kind of went like, okay, like, let, let me write some shit about this. Like, I think people need to talk about this 
And that's what Powerless was. It was just trying to open up the conversation of going, this is what I'm seeing. I'm not a professional on this. I don't know everything, but something isn't right here. Shouldn't we be talking about this? So you, so when you put something like that out, are you very, is it more like, are you thinking, I'm just going to put my words down and this is like my point of view and, and it just needs to be talked about. Or do you like start to research? Do you start to sort of a like, little bit, a little bit, but more 95% of it was just like, this is how I see it. And, and, and I want to write like this. I don't want it to seem like I went and did a, you know, a bunch of thing and got a bunch of stats and did all this. I did a little bit just cause I was curious myself. Like after I started writing, writing about it and kind of going like, you know, how long has this been going on? The child abuse thing, the missing indigenous women. Yeah. Like just, obviously I heard about that. Like my school was half native, half white people. Like that's what my high school was. So, you know, residential schools, all that stuff. We learned about that stuff growing up, but it was very passe casual. Like you'd hear people talking about it, be like, oh, that's crazy. There's something happened oh, back then. Oh, what's up with the game? Yeah, totally. Yep, exactly. I'm like it you. was like, that was the past. And then, you know just over the years you keep hearing about these things and and just with this one i just really wanted to talk about something that was like you know i've never talked about this i think we all know this is happening but it, it's not being talked about enough you said your school was like half aboriginal what mm-hmm. was the what was the dynamic like was was it like was everybody hanging out with everybody or was it sort of it was back kept and their forth. Own? like there was a, a couple of times they had like race wars is what they would call it and they mm-hmm. shut down the school um Fortunately, like I, I got along, like I was a skater, I was a hockey player and I did music. So I had very different, you know, I grew up playing hockey with native guys. Like, so I had friends doing that skateboarding, the same thing, but then I played hockey with all the jocks. And so I was kind of in the middle of all the worlds, you know what I mean? But it was, there was a couple things, but it wasn't like every day, how these two different types of people going to get along. Like it was pretty, pretty mixed up. Yeah. In Powerless, the audio off the top, yeah. it sounds like a court case. Is that, is that real no, audio? No, it's not a court case. That's uh, a girl's what? mother confronting the priest that raped her daughter like 25 years beforehand. Like that was her recording. It's so recording she's recording this, yeah, this yeah. confrontation. Yeah. yeah. It's wow. like a two and a half minute conversation. She sent me the audio of it. And she even says, just so you know, I'm recording this. And then when I, you hear this whole thing, there's no doubt in your mind that this guy did it. Like just the way he's replying to her answers and stuff so like that blew my mind and i asked her the girl that she's going through a bunch of stuff right now in news and everything because she's been trying to get this priest out of it he still does his thing in new brunswick and they actually like he's still active out of, oh yeah he they kicked him out of the church where because he was in enfield he was a, a priest in in my hometown like, oh. my kids went to this this church so did you you knew this guy yeah, I've met. So I didn't know him good, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah you I know, on Christmas, I shook his hand and said, "Hey, nice to meet you." Shit. Just thought he was, you know, sure, whatever. And then, um, but yeah, she sent me the audio, going like, "Look, this is my mom confronting the guy who's who's preaching in your in your neighborhood, basically." So yeah, I wanted to put it on there. I had a few people, like managers, being like, "You know, you might get sued for this." And it's like, yeah, I don't really think this guy's gonna want his name out there. So exactly. And and honestly, if he sued me and it came to that, it'd be okay. Well, at least there's some light on this situation, what's going on. And if he's suing me over this, maybe this whole conversation will come out and maybe this guy won't be, you know, still at churches on every Sunday in New Brunswick. Well, as a creative choice, it's it's incredibly powerful. It sets a mood. Like it's, it's yeah. totally, but yeah, exactly. And like as the producer in me, as soon as I came up with the idea and I laid it over the instrumental, I was like, there like that sets the mood of what this whole song is supposed to be because it it resonates more than i guess anything one could even write about the situation totally. whether it's an it's article real. or something. it's exactly. real emotion real vibe and you can hear it in his voice you can hear it in the mother's voice being like you know what you did to my child like every time i hear that one line what she says it's just like 
you can feel the anger. You can, you can just feel the realness of it. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of sort of like the authenticity and like sort of your willingness to be open and introspective in your music mm-hmm. has been, I think, something people have responded to throughout your career. Has there ever been anything that you felt you need to hold back because it's too vulnerable? Like, do you ever pull punches or go, I, I can't put that out about myself? No, not really. I don't think there's anything. Usually if I think something that's uncomfortable, I'll usually put it in the song because I find <laughs> those are the best moments. Those are the ones that are people like, wow, I went through this and no one ever talks about this. You know, like you'll push I don't more think there's the more anything. uncomfortable I, it feels. Totally. Like, like I lost my virginity in a graveyard. <laughs> I put that in a song. That's really weird. I know. It wasn't like on purpose. We were just in a field and then we were trying to like, we're set like the oh, mood. where are we? <laughs> yeah, set the mood. Exactly. <laughs> but just like things like that, I think are funny. It's. Uncom- it's you know awkward awkwardness makes for uh entertaining music i find well yeah what is that saying it's like you can find the universal in the specific totally so it's like you have this story about losing your virginia in a graveyard but someone will it will go oh man i remember my awkward totally. shitty first exactly. time exactly yeah, you know? yeah 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 and that's what it is like you just what was it what was it saying you, you just find, said you find the universal in the specific i like that yeah yeah totally. so like even though it's specific to you we all it's gonna bring out something else in the in the world that's like oh i went through something like that but it was more like this and yeah, yeah totally yeah um so you've never you can't think of a time where you're like i don't want to sing about this person or uh, uh, or my, no no, I talked about my ex. I did a song <laughs> called Breakup. That was all there. It was basically that I broke up with my ex or she broke up with me. I was kind of heartbroken, didn't know what I was going to do. And then I met my wife four months later, you know, so it's no, I, there might be something, but nothing jumps out of my mind that I'm like, actually, I probably wouldn't talk about it right now if I wouldn't write about it. Fair <laughs> enough. But honestly, I, I can't think of something that I've ever held back and said, no, I don't want to really get into that. How long have you been married? <sighs> 14 years. 14 years. Are you somebody that, I mean, it, I, it's always interesting for musicians because it's such an unconventional career yeah, for yeah. a path to take. And then I, I, I'm, I'm always interested because there's a lot of guys that I went to high school with or whatever. They're like, they're like, oh, I want to get a job. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to yep. buy a house. So whatever that sort of like traditional lineage is. Totally. And that's kind of how I wanted to do too. Like, you felt that way. That's yeah, what I'm yeah, getting no, at. Like, so. I was never like, I was never the guy that's like, oh, I want to be a big rap star and tour the world Hit for the road, 40 yeah. years and, and never come home. Like I always wanted to have kids. Um, me and my wife have been together for almost 15, 16 years now, and we have a very good relationship. She's very understanding of how I got to travel, and I'm very understanding of how she's home with my kids and, you know, doing what she does. So it's we have a very a good balanced – and I'm home a lot. Like, I'm not like a normal musician that's, you know, oh, I'm home for a week and then I'm gone for six months. Like, I might be gone six weeks of the year. Yeah. You know, a couple of spot dates here and there, but 90% of the time I'm home. Well, and by the nature of your work, Close. it's probably better for the family that you can be around. You know, well, you're and working even just on music the fact and... that I'm a producer and I run my studio too. So it's not like I just my only option for, to 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 make music is to be on the road performing. I can be in the studio, which is in my behind my garage. So it's you know I'm home a lot. Do you like producing other people and sort of yep. like having your hands on that more so than being the sole artist, or is your heart always in? No, it's like 50-50. Like, I really like collaborating with other people because, excuse me, um, I I just find it exciting, entertaining, new. Like, when I'm by myself in the studio, a lot of times it's like, ah, ah, pulling in. But when you're working with someone, you kind of get to get their vibe and their take of like, hey, do you like this or do you like that? It's almost like you're making the decisions with them rather than sitting there making your decisions by yourself. Yeah. Which sometimes can changes every hour. I like something. I'll go in the house, have some lunch, come out. I'll switch it again. And it's almost like battling yourself. Sometimes it's right. good to have someone to bounce things off. Sure. Sure. Just to stay like engaged. And you're totally. Not. Just to keep it exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd ask the question about 
you know, maybe being concerned about your lyrics, like as a father, you know, and a role model to your children, other people, are you ever cognizant of like singing about adult issues or are you like, Hey man, like we can't shield everybody. From no, no, I gotta- I'll still, I'll still, yeah. Rap about smoking weed, whatever I do. You know what I mean? Like yeah, man. This, this is who I am. This is what I am. I'm not trying to hide that. I do get a little bit hesitant some now because my kids always want to see my videos. Of course. So like she ain't got to do much just came out and it, there's a shot of me smoking weed. So I'm a little bit like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, my oldest daughter, I had explained what marijuana was the other day. It got a little weird, but I was like, you know, this is medicine for some people. It's like, you know, having a glass of wine for some people. Yeah. And I try to almost like bounce it out of like parents aren't afraid to sit there and drink beer in front of their kids, drink wine. So why am I hiding this when I know a lot more friends' lives got messed up from alcohol than weed has ever done? So it's kind of a weird balance of, like, I'm trying to protect them, but I'm not trying to shield them from what's going on in the world. Well, that's a practical conversation about, like you said, like, oh, if someone's going to smoke a bit of weed, it's no different than uh, someone coming home and having a glass of wine. Totally. But there's this stigma, obviously, which I think is changing in this country Definitely anyway. And by yeah, the yeah. time... Our kids are our age. That's what I'm it's going to be. No <laughs> it's going to be like, yeah. oh yeah, that's whatever. Yeah, you why know did what we mean? make this a big deal? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you somebody? I guess like you know, there's a lot of people that are in music and otherwise that are like sort of, I wouldn't say like hardcore careerists, but I mean it's hard in any field, whether you're producing or doing, mm-hmm. you know, working whatever. Do you ever measure success by looking at peers? Are you somebody that has targets, or are you just I'm purely being creative and what happens happens? Um, I think goals are, are definitely a good thing to have like small goals though. Like it's not like, Oh, I want to be on the Grammys next year. It's like, Oh, I want to get this record done. I want this video to come out. I want, you know, the tour to go good, I, you know, smaller goals, but I don't know now it's a little different too. Cause I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm more comfortable the, the, the future isn't kind of un, as unseen as it was say 10, 15 years ago yeah. when I was making my 1500 bucks a month and I'm like, okay, good. I got my rent now. You know, it's, like I said, I'm cheap. I'm good with my money. So I, I, I kind of saved up. I'm pretty comfortable that way where it's not like I got to worry about is this album going to come out and support me for the next year or two. So that kind of gives me the freedom to just kind of be in the studio. Like, okay, I'm going to write about this today. Maybe this will work on radio. Maybe it won't. But I think my fans are still going to appreciate the honesty and what this song is about and stuff. So it's it's almost just like having a different perspective of, I, I guess it's more just about the music and not worrying about supporting myself as well off of it. Because there's you're at a comfort level now. And totally. It's just, you know, if it works, it works. If not, it's not like, oh, shit, I got to get a job next year or something like that. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that because talking to you, you seem like you've sort of consistently throughout your adult life just been very sort of reasonable and, well, yeah, yeah. the next thing and this will work. Have you ever had a time where you're like, shit, this isn't going to work or I'm shook or, I'm, you know, maybe. No, I'm- like fortunately there was never like, oh, damn, like if I don't do this in the next week, this is. No, I've, like I said, I've always been very cautious. I'm very pessimistic where it's like, I'll usually plan for the failure before I've planned for the success. That's interesting. That thought, because I've, I've said to my wife, like plenty, I'm like, whenever I'm sort of embarking on something or there's some potential scenario, I always think about the absolute worst possible outcome. Exactly. And it's like, if I can deal with that, then I'm like, okay, this should be all right. And that's kind of how I do everything. Like we, we play the East Coast Music Awards. A couple months ago, we did Powerless on it. Yeah. And I triggered everything from my drum machine, which I never do. It's Whoa. usually my DJ. So I'm sitting there with the box, and, you know, it's 10,000 people in the arena, and I'm hitting it. And I'm just, you know, before I did it, David Miles was in the crowd, and I was like, look, if this shit fucks up, <laughs> just grab a guitar and get on stage, and let's just do this. And, like, I was really nervous, and it went smooth. But that's kind of how I approach things. It's like, okay, if all else fails, I know I can do this, and we'll kind of 
you know, cover my tracks. Yeah. I, I the, uh, the acoustic video you put up for powerless was yeah. great with David miles yeah, and yeah. who, who was the uh, one Bree McKinnon. Bree McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome, man. Yeah. It came out really good. Well, I mean, you guys, since you guys hooked up you and David, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like there's a real sort of like sound. What is it about working with him that you, uh, we just both appreciate music and work our asses off. Like, Straight out, it's kind of the simplest thing. Like work he can come out to, to, totally. He'll come out to the studio, and we'll sit there all day and work on the drums or just the bass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Where a lot of artists are like, okay, let's get that done. Let's get into this. I want to finish this today. So I think he just has similar patience to me. Uh, he grew up on '90s hip hop, is what what I grew up on, and you know we're around the same age, and 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 I think we both make good music together. Like I think he's really good at what he does. I'm good at what I do. I'm not saying that in a cocky way, but. <laughs> I find when we do it, like we do acoustic shows, and it's like, it, it's a unique thing. There's not a lot of ma- many people. It's like, you know, me coming from rap world, Dave coming from folk singer, songwriter world. But when we come together, it's like this kind of fresh, I don't know, just a very fresh fresh take on what we do. Well, it's interesting you mentioned process. Uh, I was talking with uh, Max, who actually does this podcast yeah, with yeah. me. He sings in Arkells. Yeah, 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 no Max. And uh, we were talking about how on that Kanye record, Yee, the new one, the last song, uh, at the end of the last song, they have the Nicki Minaj voicemail where she's kind of like, I guess oh, she called. I never got to that part yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't listen to the whole album either. Max was telling me, so I listened to that in prep. But it was like, so he, at the end, so he does the, the song and he has this line in it about, I'm going to have a, a daughter like Nicki Minaj, but no Minaj's or whatever the line yeah, is. Yeah. But then at the very end, he has the voicemail that she leaves him being like, yo, like I got this verse. Use it however you want or whatever, which is fascinating because it's sort of like a, a, a look into, I guess, the process. Of what the how they're putting this relationship together. Totally, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess, like, what is it like for you when you're going through that process? Are you collaborating with a lot of people? Are you sitting with a notebook? Are you, like, do you have beats that you've had and then you're trying to fit lyrics over? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Like, that's usually how it starts. Like, even when I started this process, I had two or three beats i've got hundreds of beats but there's always a couple beats from like the album before that i'm like oh i wish i used this one and that's kind of usually how i'll start the next album is like okay let's just leave that beat for a year and when i get back into this let me start with that song um but it's kind of all over the place like that was my plan but it never worked out that way i didn't use any of those beats from the last album (laughs) that's funny how that works yeah it's like that was my big plan started writing for a couple days like yeah and started again but a lot of Oh, getting groceries. Oh, that's a cool line. Write it down on my phone. Or that's a cool song topic. Maybe I could write something about that. And that's kind of where it starts. I'll go through my phone, look for ideas, or I'll be on the drum machine, make a beat and go, wow, this beat's got me right now. This kind of reminds me of something. But there's no real, you know, process of like start with kick, snare, bass, you know, just building. It's usually starts with the beat or starts with the lyric and then start mashing them together and see where it goes. And then my brother, Mike, who's here as well, is always kind of sitting in the back I kind of he's he's like my second ears to have when i'm sitting there and i don't know what i'm doing i'm like you like this or this uh you like that so yeah. it's, but it's you, good to have somebody else there to do that help you with who that. you trust their opinion as well totally man. That's huge. well he grew up on the same music as me so we have very similar tastes we come yeah. from the same world so usually if we can get something that we're both happy with that's kind of where we where we like to be i guess lastly what would your hope be for the next 10 years of classified do you even think Man, about I, it? Same shit I'm doing right now. Yeah. I have no problem if my life kept going the same way I'm going right now. It's a good life, man. It's a great life. I get to hang out with my kids, mess around with music when I want to, go skateboarding on the half pipe, <laughs> mow my lawn, <laughs> hang out with the dog, and and at the same time, still hang out with like a lot of my friends I grew up with. We still, Friday night, we're all in the studio having some drinks, party, and so it's 
like a 25 year old kid 25 year old man kids that still <laughs> thinks he's like a teenager i don't know what i am <laughs> thanks so much for your time man all good man 